It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. Tonight, we're going to discuss military insanity, DEI madness, and reckless de-risking, because it's all intentional. You know, on a weekly basis, I try to bring you a more strategic perspective on the issues and happenings related to national security of the United States of America. I do so because I try to bring an understanding of how the cognitive war has a major impact, a major effect, and is the existential threat to our republic, our independence, and our freedoms. I do this on a weekly basis because the message needs to get out. If we do not start defining our future and continue to let others define it for us, we then defer to our adversaries what happens, how we're treated, and the loss of our freedoms. We can't let this go on. People must get involved. You must take an active role in your civics, in your city's councils, in your school system, in getting out the vote. Because as we talk today, I'm going to cover a few things. The military insanity. What the hell is going on with their military now? Mussolini Milley just left the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff position. But he's being replaced by General Brown, who's shown his tendency already to put in place racist quotas that have nothing to do with equality and have everything to do with so-called equity and wokeness. We see the diversity, equity, and inclusion madness driving a number of different efforts across our country that are disruptive disruptive and godless in their actions. And we see a moronic approach by a compromised Manchurian president, President Biden, as he looks to undertake de-risking, de-risking with China. But as I said, it's all intentional. So let's start and take a look at a recent article here in the American Thinker that focuses on what's happening at West Point. Now, this this is a perfect example of what the hell's happening in our military, not just at the academies, but throughout the military. You remember when General Milley and then Secretary Esper stood beside President Donald Trump out front of the White House, and behind them was the church burning, And around them, there was chaos and mayhem in the streets of the District of Crime, once known as the District of Columbia. By the way, we just seen a congressman get carjacked recently in the District of Crime. Perhaps their woke policies 
their woke politics and their search for equity is bringing a certain karma back to their progressive, radical, domestic terrorist thoughts. But I digress. When we take a look at General Milley and Mark Esper, they stood outside the White House with the President of the United States showing resolve to all Americans in the face of that chaos and mayhem. But they then the next day bought into the wokeness, bought into the false narratives about Trump wanting to use troops to take over A, B, or C. And they then apologized for then standing with the president while he showed resolves to the nation. That same Mark Milley and that same Mark Esper, both West Point Academy grads, then said nothing, said absolutely nothing, when Queen Nancy, then Speaker of the House, asked for and they deployed an armored division of 25,000 troops, uh, 2,500 troops around the U.S. Capitol. It might have been 25,000. Regardless, they deployed an armored division around the U.S. Capitol to protect who? Not your public servants. No, not, not any longer. No, these were the, these, these are your leaders who view themselves as such and that you serve them. So while Queen Nancy asked for an armored division to protect her, Esper and Milley supported that, said not a word. Yet at the same time, across America in progressive cities, there was mayhem, chaos, and confusion, murder, looting, riots. And they said nothing about that either. Now, the reason I bring that up is both these gentlemen served 30 to 40 years in the military. Millie served, just finished 30 and 40 years in the military. The current Secretary of Defense 30-plus years in the military as a senior general as well. Now, they had all that time. They had all that time to speak up about the so-called diversity, equity, and inclusion, CRT, the search for white supremacists. They had all that time to talk about the radicalization in the military, yet they did not. They did none of that. But now they do, and they have. And over the last four years, we've seen a precipitous decline, a massively significant drop in the ability to recruit young men and women into the military as they embrace drag queen shows at bases, as they embrace the pushing of transgender ideology is an issue on America. Claiming a man can become a woman, a woman can, can become a man. All while knowing that 85% of transgenders attempt suicide. But yet, Millie, 
Austin, Brown, and others want the transgenders to be part of your military and your military leadership. Now, in a recent class at the Army War College, I was teaching on cognitive warfare. This subject came up. And one person asked me, well, because I support transgender rights, does that make me an enemy of the state? And I said, absolutely not. What you're missing is that transgenders, just like all Americans, have the same civil and constitutional rights. So why is it that we're pushing for specific rights for a certain class of people that are highly emotionally unstable and that they all, almost all try to commit suicide, okay? And then for those who then don't agree with that, to crucify them, to cancel them, that's not equality, that's not equity, that's not inclusion. That's intimidation, that's subjugation, and that's tyranny. So in this story in The American Thinker, West Point, it says, has a storied place in American history, and it does. And during the Revolution, Benedict Arnold tried to get to give the fort to the British. After the Revolution, it became American's first military academy, graduating such luminaries as Ulysses S. Grant, Dwight Eisenhower, Generals Omar Bradley, Douglas MacArthur, George Patton, and many others. All these alumni were driven by patriotism. All driven by patriotism. Now though West Point has created a minor that is the essence of anti-patriotism. The minor is West Point's Diversity and Inclusion Studies. Now, if I tried to introduce something like this into the U.S. intelligence community during my career, I'd been kicked out and my clearances would have been pulled. Because West Point's Diversity and Inclusion Studies minor is antithetical to good order and discipline and it's anathema the true equality, and it's anathema to our Constitution. Now, the article goes on to say that West Point describes its new minor in this way. Diversity and inclusion studies is an interdisciplinary minor advanced administered by the Department of Behavioral Sciences and Leadership that consists of humanities and social science courses. America is a multicultural entity and demands knowledgeable and pragmatic thinkers who understand the range of human experiences. The diversity and inclusion studies minor exposes cadets to a variety of perspectives and methodologies for understanding and studying the humanities. By carefully drawing from existing courses in multiple departments, this minor complements and enhances the core curriculum, academic majors, and several West Point centers and committees. Moreover, DISM, as I asked, you know, diversity, inclusion, and studies minor, DISM at West Point offers cadets a framework for critically and creative thinking about the broader impact of diversity and inclusion at the individual, organizational, societal, and global levels, providing them with the knowledge and insight to help them keep them, prepare them to lead in today's Army. 
Unbelievable. Unbelievable. When I read this article, my jaw literally dropped. And the author of this article actually writes, basically, that's academic gobbledygook that hides what DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, really is. The assertion is that America is systemically racist, sexist, and homophobic, along with a bunch of other isms. The Constitution, the 14th Amendment, the civil rights, none of them matter in this studies here. And so what you have here, in other words, is a course that is teaching our future cadets, our future leaders of America, military, that we are an evil country in our history, in our efforts overall. And what kind of a hell a story is that? What this is, my friends, is pure indoctrinization. Now, so we've seen the indoctrinization in our high schools, our middle schools, and grade schools. We've seen the indoctrinization at our major colleges and universities. And now with the woke military, such as Mussolini Milley, Red Hat Brown, Little Mile Book Brown, and Secretary of Defense Austin, what we see now is this wokeism going full bore for full indoctrinization while they can for the next two or three generations of U.S. military leadership. So the author of this article goes on to write, we expect this kind of garbage from academia. For decades, colleges and universities have done this, and that's what I've been talking about. But West Point instituted this minor in 2020. Okay. It's been on the radar screen since 2020. So what you see here was with purposeful malice and intent. It was pre-planned because as soon as Biden, the Manchurian president, got in office, they implemented this in 2020. It's unbelievable that they're allowing this to happen in our academies, in our all the academies, Air Force Academy, Naval County Coast Guard, and here at West Point, the Army. It, it's unbelievable. So the author goes on to write that he called a few points from uh, Daniel Greenfield. And I'm not sure who Daniel Greenfield is, but he goes on to say, creating a DEI minor at West Point was the latest move by a woke military brass to define leadership in terms of willingness of offers to embrace woke leftist politics. And he's absolutely right. This is part of the overall effort to indoctrinate, subjugate, and make our leaders complicit and corrupt in pushing a woke agenda across America. Greenfield writes, from West Point cadets to serving officers, the message that leaders, uh, that leaders cannot lead unless they understand different perspectives of the international intersectional rainbow of race, gender, and sexuality, and that they will not understand it unless they view those around them purely in terms of identity politics. This is not how the military has been run. I was in the military for several years. I got out in 1990 because it was too politically correct then in the Air Force. It was already showing what I call the brown star chasers. People were chasing the brown stars, meaning their promotions, okay, versus other things. 
And the author here, uh, Greenfield, right? He writes about Greenfield stating, beyond the usual divisive tenets of identity politics, what DEI in the military really means. At West Point, Miner shows it's impossible to be loyal to both DEI and America. And he's absolutely right. So the point of this in the ongoing cognitive war that I bring to you each week in the show, these are methodical, strategically planned, and methodically executed efforts by the progressive radical lefts to advance their control and subjugation of society. And now they're doing it in our military academies. Now, before I go on break, I'm going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more then about not just the impact on the military, but DEI overall. But remember, here on AmericaOutloud.news, AmericaOutloud.news, each weekday from Monday through Friday on the National Security Hour, we have a variety of military and intelligence community experts who will bring you the no-holds-bar truth, the outlawed truth about what's happening in America. So make sure you can go to AmericaOutloud.news and find all the links for our world-class media players, our podcasts, and number of articles and books. We'll be right back. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Welcome back to the American Out Loud Talk Radio Network. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening on the NASA Security Hour. And tonight we're talking about military mayhem, diversity, equity, and inclusion, insanity, and the chaos and innumerable damage that de-risking strategy with China. 
let me continue on to where I left off in terms of what does DEI get you? So here's what DEI gets you from my perspective. If you have issues, whether it's whites, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, whatever, if you have cultural issues, abnormalities within those cultures, okay, what DEI gets you is to then say that those abnormalities, those differences, those differences and abnormalities are in fact then necessary, part of the DEI, part of the diversity you should accept, part of the equity you should accept, part of the inclusiveness you should accept. But when we take a look at a recent article in the Washington Post by Jack Jackman and Lamont, they talk about a man named Frederick Moorfield Jr., the Deputy Chief Information Officer, where? At the Department of Defense, the Pentagon. Now, why are they talking about this guy? Well, he's accused of training and fighting dogs for more than 20 years. So let me tell you something. Having been in the DOD and IC and worked with him for over four decades, you don't get to be a deputy chief information officer without background of security clearances and checks. I don't know when this guy became the deputy CIO. But obviously, somebody's missed something for 20 years if he's been doing the dogfighting. All right. They've missed something big. The other thing, this person has at least a top secret, if not a top secret, SEI clearance, meaning the top tickets you can have for clearances, given his position. Now, this article goes on to say, a senior member of the Department of Defense communication staff has been arrested and charged with participating in dogfighting ring in the D.C. area, the District of Crime area. For more than 20 years, federal authorities disclosed. The ring regularly trained dogs for fights, ran thousands of dollars in bets on outcomes, and executed dogs that didn't die during their matches. Executed the dogs that didn't die during their matches ran thousands of dollars in bets and outcome. Here's your DEI, folks. So why Millie and Austin and Brown are searching for white supremacists throughout the Pentagon and the military ranks, their deputy chief information officers running a felonious ring of dog fighting, trading thousands of dollars with who all open to complete blackmail. Okay. And it says here in the article, Frederick Douglass Moorfield, 62 of Arnold, Maryland, was the de- was a deputy chief Infra- information officer for command, control, and communications for who? The Secretary of Defense's chief information officer. So... Mussolini, Millie, and Autistic Austin are sitting in their seats and the deputy CIOs running the dog ring and they have not a freaking clue, or do they? Or is this part of their DEI and inclusion stuff? Is this insanity or what? This guy was arrested here uh, this week or last week or uh, somewhere Thursday during the month of uh, September in charge of promoting and furthering animal fighting venture. 
along with some friends of his. Investigators, now get the, this is just sickening to me. Investigators found battery jumper cables, battery jumper cables, which were allegedly used to execute the dogs at Moorfield's house. Along with five pit bull type dogs at his house and five pit bull type dogs at this, uh, his friend's house, court records show. Battery jumper cables. You know, serial killers abuse and do cruel things to animals. Here you have the deputy CIO under this banner of DEI. I'm sure that's how they brought him in. He's running the dog fighting ring and he's executing dogs with battery jumper cables. How cruel and inhumane is that? But this is the DEI that they want to push and they want you to accept. What do you think they're going to do you and your family? What do they think you're going to do to your, your grandparents? Well, you saw some of that under COVID. They're dispensable. They're all collateral damage in their quest to keep and maintain power. I mean, this is just sickening. But it go, the article goes on to talk about the, the FBI, the Department of Agriculture, and other local and federal agencies raided these houses. Uh, here it says on September 6th. The authorities also say they found an apparatus that is used for involuntarily inseminating female dogs and stains consistent with blood stains from dog fights. Lieutenant Commander Tim Gorman, a Pentagon spokesman, said in a statement that the Defense Department was aware of the criminal complaint filed against Moorfield. He said, we can confirm the individual is no longer in the workplace, but we cannot comment on an individual personal matter further. He did not say whether Moorfield has been suspended, terminated, or allowed to retire. Well, what the hell? Animal cruelty, running a felonious betting ring on dogs. Been doing this for 20 years. Did they say anything about pulling his clearances? They should have suspended him immediately, completely removed his clearances, and fired him in those, on the spot. But they haven't. This is your DEI at work, folks. This is what diversity, equity, inclusion is. It's not keeping the good, patriotic, innocent Americans who are taxpayers and law-abiding citizens. DEI is a push to bring the abnormal to the normal. Remember, a man can become a woman, a woman can become a man. The online records, oh, this is what's interesting here. The article goes on to say, nine fellow dog fighters were indicted in, in Virginia last year. Okay. Members communicated on Telegram, a messaging application. Online records maintained by the dog's owners show that Moorfield had been involved in dog fighting since 2002. Since 2002. So how the hell did this guy get a job in the Pentagon? Okay. Now let's go further. Let's go into another, another in indication here of the military madness, but now let's go and diversity, equity, inclusion. Well, let's go back in and take a little bit 
closer look at this diversity, equity, inclusion when it comes to Jamal Bowman, the congressman. Well, Congressman Bowman claims he was not involved in his office's advice to Democrats to call Republicans Nazis. Now, how do you much and you believe this? The Washington Times, Kerry Pickett wrote, Representative Jamal Bowman said he was unaware of a memo from his office calling GOP lawmakers Nazis in response to Republican scrutiny of the New York Democrats pulling a fire alarm in the House office building. Now, you probably heard about that. I'll come back to that in a second. Bowman said, quote, I just became aware that in our messaging guidance, there was inappropriate use of the term Nazi without my consent. Bowman said in a post on X, which formerly Twitter, quote, I condemn the use of the term Nazi out of its precise definition. It is important to specify the term Nazi to refer to members of the Nazi party and neo-Nazis. So let me stop there for a second. He doesn't apologize. He says he condemns the inappropriate use of the term. The inappropriate use of the term, but he doesn't say that includes calling Republican lawmakers Nazis. He doesn't ask, he doesn't say that at all. So here's one of these woke congressmen, liberal, woke, progressive, what I call domestic terrorist communists. Congressman calling Republicans Nazis. So in this article it says earlier in the day, Bowman's office sent out guidance to House Democratic lawmakers offices looking for talking points to support Bowman after he faced backlash for pulling a fire alarm. That incident occurred just this last weekend here in the D.C. District of Crime area when a GOP temporary spending bill was put forth by the House so they could avoid the government shutdown, as you probably heard in a number of different media outlets. Now, Bowman said Republicans need to instead focus their energy on the Nazi members of their party before anything else. Oh, that was one proposed response from Bowman's office. Okay. So here again, you see the progressive, radical, domestic terrorist left using the term fascist, Nazis, and that to condemn Republicans for lawful constitutional execution of their duties within Congress. But because he was trying to protect his own left-wingers, Bowman pulls a fire alarm and calls it an evacuation of the congressional building, which then ups upset the timelines for the vote. Now, this guy is a former principal. And he said, well, he thought it was a way to exit out the door. He thought the activating the alarm would open a nearby door, which was clearly labeled. Okay, the door was clearly labeled on how to get out. But he's a principal. He knows what a fire alarm is. Okay, so if you want to take this to the extremes here, then one could say that this guy is also a perfect example of why people who push CRT are right. The critical race theory says all whites are supremacists, but a part of the theory then also says all blacks are too stupid to be educated. Well, 
in this case here, this guy's dumber than a freaking doornail. And he sort of backs up that that portion of the CRT, right? But here's a guy pushing for diversity, diversity, equity, inclusion. And what do they do? They attack the Republicans across the aisle, calling them Nazis. And we've heard this a number of different times in the past from Democrats and progressives. But this is their tactic. This is not about reaching across the aisle. This is not about trying to find some common ground. This is a blood sport for absolute power. And their whole intent is to seize and maintain that absolute power. Now, Mr. Bowman has said in the article in a statement released Saturday night that he pulled the cannon house off building fire alarm because he was rushing to make a vote, quote unquote, and that activating the alarm would open a nearby door. I mean, how stupid does he think the American public are? And he had a number of his left wing lemmies come out and then not only applaud his effort, but then say, well, he made an honest mistake. Now, Bowman said, I came to a door that is usually open for votes, but today would not open. Well, I don't think so. If you look at the pictures, the door is clearly marked. It's been that way for some time. Okay. It says push to open door and sets off the fire alarm, but instead he pulls the fire alarm. He knew exactly what he's doing. So House Democratic Egg wanted the Democratic-controlled Senate to pass its own temporary spending bill, and that's why they wanted to go ahead and, and mux with this here. But under D.C. law, the District of Crime's own law, let alone federal law, people convicted of knowingly or willfully giving a false alarm of fire within the city can be hit with the fine imprisonment up to six months. Well, you know what? This guy disturbed ongoing congressional proceedings. That's exactly what happened to the January 6th protesters who were not given their constitutional or civil rights and who have been in prison for over a year without their trials. So I'd say throw his ass in jail and keep it there. Because that's exactly what he deserves. This person abrogated his oath of office to uphold our duly, our constitution and laws of the nation. He broke the law in pulling his fire alarm. He did it purposefully. House Speaker McCarthy's put this before the Ethics Committee to investigate. Skip the Ethics Committee investigation. Take his butt out of Congress. Republicans and conservatives need to understand this is a blood sport for absolute power. And these people will do anything they can to hang on to that power. And this diversity, equity, inclusion is of course a ruse because there's no such thing as inclusion for anybody who has opposite or opposing views, who doesn't conform, who's not complacent, and who's not compliant. So before I close out on this section uh, and this segment, let me go back to an article by Cheryl Trumley in the Washington Times. She actually writes some really good stuff. And they're typically, typically very good articles. So I'd say you should follow her opinion columns. But on this question of diversity, equity, inclusion, her article was, God establishes equity, not Democrats. And she's right. She's right. So she says in this column, leftist loves to talk about the need for equity in America, equity in business, 
They love to talk up the need for diversity, equity, and inclusion standards to be created by government and pushed in the hallowed halls of America's economic structures and educational facilities and cultural institutions. They love to demand DEI become the singular guiding compass for all future operations. They see it as an altruistic calling. They see it as morally righteous imperative. They see it as their religious duty. Okay. Well, let me stop there. Their religious duty. Their guiding compass. Their morally righteous imperative. This is their ideology. This is not about true equity inclusion. This is an ideological farce. As I mentioned up front, they use different ideologies, religion, and issues as ways to drive and maintain to control their power. I'm going to continue on talking about Cheryl Trumley's article when we get back from the break. But be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts and videos so we can help secure America's future. I'll be right back. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. So when I left, when I left off, welcome back to the America Out Loud news and America Out Loud talk radio network. Just to remind you, I'm Ed Huglin, the host for you this evening on the NAS Security Hour. I'm a little bit befuddled because I'm, tonight I'm talking about military insanity, DEI madness, and reckless de-risking. But before I left on the break here, I was talking about Cheryl Chumley's article on God establishes equity, not Democrats. And what's amazing in this article, she gets a lot of things spot on here. She writes that in Psalm 9 states, similarly, the Lord judges the people with equity. And she said, God's got this, not Democrats. She's absolutely right. So when leftists with designs to grow government and remove God from all things public in America, replace the word equality with the word equity, 
and insists that political leaders take on a role of creating standards of equity, it's a red flag. And she's absolutely right. These are the same political leaders that want to tell you what truth is. They take facts and turn it into fiction and take fiction and turn it into facts. It's a red flag, she writes, because it's not coming from a place of biblical equity, but rather earthly politicized equity. But this is the essence of the ongoing domestic cognitive war and global cognitive war. The misappropriation of terms, diversity. Diversity isn't about race only. It's about diversity of thought, knowledge, understanding, experience. Inclusion isn't about excluding others because they think differently from you. But that's what DEI is. Okay. And equity, as she's talking here, has nothing to do with equity. It has to deal with a politicized, politicized equity. Good for thee, but not for me. Isn't that the way the radical, progressive, Democrat, domestic terrorists always deal these things? As a social justice warrior, she wrote, DeRay McKesson quoted, in the wake of the St. Louis police shooting, death of Michael Brown, and the ensuing lies of the hands up, don't shoot movement that developed, quote, the difference between equity and equality is that equality is everyone gets the same thing. Equity is everyone gets the things they deserve. The perilous line, this is a perilous line she writes for America to walk. Whereas the Constitution, court cases, capitalism, concept of America, exceptionalism, all guarantee the right of the individual to pursue success and happiness. Success and happiness, regardless of race, sex, income level. Okay. Equity is a different beast. And she's absolutely right. Equity is a completely different beast. It's a scenario, she writes, where Joe Citizen works hard, studies harder, scrimps and saves hardest of all, and manages to move from poverty to riches. And Jack Citizen drops out, and Jack Citizen, other one, drops out of school, sells drugs, goes to jails, and fails to learn any valuable skills. The quality holds that Jack is accountable for poor life choices. Equity cries that Jack had a hard life and poor. The other Jack should pay for everything the guy has. And that's really what this is. What it is, it's a mean to pit American against America, race against race, income level against income level. It's a means to destroy and subjugate Americans and cause chaos, confusion, and terror. They exploit the hell out of this for political purposes. So you've seen in this discussion tonight, what did DEI get us? It got us a deputy CIO for the Secretary of Defense that ran a dog fighting ring for 20 years, executing the poor dogs with battery cables, shock, death, and killing them if they didn't win the fights or even if they did win the fights. Cheryl writes, equality is American, equity is communist. Now, on this, I'll disagree with her because equity is pure evil. Equity is pure evil. It is the evil in this cognitive war 
that uses ideologies, religion, and issues as ways to obtain their absolute power. Many people confuse communism with this cognitive war because the cognitive war is multifaceted. Communism is a utopian dream. It's the same thing as fascism. They're both socialist. They're not far right. They're not far left. Communism and fascism are but two ends of the same circle of tyranny. So go ahead and read Show Cumley's columns. They're very good. Let me move on to our last segment topic here tonight. Reckless China mayhem and de-risking. You know, what the hell is de-risking? What China's praying, preparing to do or already have done is to remove the United States is an obstacle to world domination, in my opinion. They're on their path to doing that. This is not a tactical discussion, but a strategic discussion. As their advances in the cognitive domain have been subtle to stark, hidden to in your face, and have impacts on our children who are president, the Manchurian president, who I've said many times on this program, I believe is a compromised president. Besides the obvious compromise from shady business dealings in which his family son has received millions, we need only listen to Biden's recent statement on China, where he said, quote, we're not looking to hurt China sincerely. We're all better off if China does well. We're all better off if China does well. I mean, what the hell does that mean? You have a genocidal regime, a a subversive, tyrannical regime that harvests live organs from other humans that has killed 1.3 million Americans and we're all better off if China does well? No. She's better off and Hunter Biden's better off because she can then better control his people and Hunter gets more money, right? So the current administration position is what is called de-risking. De-risking, the definition of de-risking refers to the phenomenon of financial institutions terminating or restricting business relationships with clients or categories of clients to avoid rather than manage risk. Avoid rather than manage risk. So de-risking is a dangerous and perilous route to go on. As the parameters of the economic relationship with China continue to be debated and tested, de-risking has emerged as a preferred approach for the Biden administration international policy. Biden says they're not decoupling because that would threaten an immense and have an immense toll on economies of the world. Our de-risking, in, in Biden's terms, promises a more focused, specific attempt to ameliorate vulnerabilities. But how do you get to that? How do you get to that? You know, a Jonathan Ernst and Reuters on an article, U.S.-China de-risking will inevitably escalate, writes, the logic of reducing dependence always ends in downward spiral. How much de-risking will ever be enough? We have tried to make clear, he, this Kurt Campbell, U.S. President Joe Biden's lead Asia diplomat, Hinted in a recent interview, this guy writes, that the United States was nearly done with new rules limiting Chinese access to technology and investment. 
quote, we have tried to make clear that there's a difference between a narrow de-risking and a broad decoupling. At the end of this effort, the idea is to begin consequential diplomacy with China. We know China could give a rat's ass. China doesn't want consequential diplomacy. Remember Treasury Secretary Yellen? She couldn't bow fast enough. And they kicked her butt out of China without anything. Remember John Kerry, our climate czar? He got kicked out hat in hand also. And then Blink and Blink and our Secretary of State. All failures. China didn't even show up at the UN for the annual conference. Neither did Russia. It's Putin. Why? They could care less about this de-risking. This is not de-risking. This is not de-risking. This is viewed as America becoming apostate towards China. The United States has a message for China. Yes, de-risking is possible, wrote Gabriel Alvarado, who's a senior fellow at Atlantic Council's Global China Hub. The Atlantic Council does some different events that are halfway decent for helping to educate folks, but it has a definite left-wing bias to it. And this article just reinforces that. Ms. Alvarado writes, in an apparent attempt to reset relations with Beijing, three U.S. cabinet officials visited China between June and July. I just mentioned those. Kerry, Blinken, Blinken, and Yellen. Now she says, now U.S. Secretary of Commerce Vina Raimondo may visit soon, okay? But do not expect a cooling in U.S.-China strategic competition. Well, that's because China's not going to stop. China's not going to stop because they're being appeased. De-risking is pure appeasement of this genocidal maniac regime. This author goes on to write, Chinese officials cite President Joe Biden's most recent executive order curbing technology investments as the latest evidence of thinly veiled attempts to decouple from China and block China. Well, why are we having thinly veiled attempts? Why aren't we doing in your face? They just murdered 1.3 million Americans. You got the COVID flu, a.k.a. China flu. You have 300,000 plus Americans dying from fentanyl, 100,000 per year. And there's no consequences to China yet. There's several, over 7 to 8 million murdered across the globe. No consequences. China steals every single day R&D. No consequences. They put police stations in New York and other cities to hunt down Chinese distance. No consequences. Isn't it about time to get in their face? But if you have a Manchurian president, you know, not likely to do that. So this author writes, soon after Secretary of State Blinken's and Secretary Yellen's trips to China, and Special Envoy John Kerry's visit there, Beijing's official news agency published a commentary series titled, Be Aware of the Rhetorical Trap of De-Risking. It was an unmistakable signal that tensions will endure despite the resumption in high-level talks. Well, duh. I mean, you have to be a freaking idiot not to see this and understand this. Beijing has ignored every attempt to work with them because they're being appeased. Why would one bother to work? Look at what, the, look at what this administration is doing with Iran. They're giving them $6 billion for some hostages. 
we had a policy of never paying for hostage taking. Well, that went out the window with Biden's here, hasn't it? But this author goes on to write, de-risking seems to have struck a nerve in Beijing. This may be because the term speaks to measures in Washington is implementing in consultation with allies and partners to combat efforts by China to leverage foreign intellectual property and capital. I mean, this is just surreal. This article is absolutely surreal. She writes, the risk in de-risking, however, is that it could lessen the bite of U.S. measures to combat Beijing's quest for techno-economic dominance. It could lessen the bite of U.S. measures to combat Beijing's quest for techno-economic dominance if Washington allows compromise with its allies, partners, and businesses to overtake its approach. Well, when they see the federal government of the United States and the compromised Manchurian president of the United States appeasing China, what do you think these businesses are going to do? They're going to cut their own deal because they see a weak and ineffective government in the United States. I mean, it's just surreal. Now, she ends here it's by saying, it is encouraging that Washington and its partners appear to have coalesced around the term de-risking. The goal now should be to ensure that subsequent measures actually do just that. I mean, it floors me. The idiocy and the amount of people who drink the Kool-Aid that buy this buy this shift as an atom shift, they buy this load of shift about the de-risking is just flooring. Let's take a look at some reality here, shall we? Let's take a look at reality about China and what they're actually doing in the de-risking as we, we go towards the last few minutes of this program. On a regular basis, I engage with Dr. Li Min Yen from the voice of Dr. Yen, also here on America Out Loud, that news network. And we talk about the cognitive war with respect to unrestricted warfare by China. Now, China has been implementing this unrestricted warfare for the last 25 years. In their book, I, we cover, in many of our sessions, a chapter at a time. But let me replay some of the key aspects of China's strategy. What they refer to unrestricted warfare are not changes in the instruments of war, the technology of war, the modes of war, or the forms of war. They're referring to it is the function of warfare. They say in their in this book by these two colonels, we acknowledge the new principles of war are no longer using armed force to compel the enemy to submit to one's will, but rather, rather, this is key, using all means, including armed force, non-armed force, military and non-military, lethal and non-lethal means to compel the enemy to accept one's interest. Now, four years ago, as I left the U.S. government, I wrote, a paper on the future of intelligence operations, military intelligence operations. I called it the cognitive war. And in there, I wrote a warning about the fact that we have two choices. If we continue down the current path we are on, we will likely end up in a kinetic war, which recovery is questionable. Or two, we will be subverted and undermined by the ongoing cognitive war by our adversaries and find it's too late and that's where we're headed right now, people. We're heading right there. 
So in their unrestricted warfare efforts, they look at all lethal and non-lethal means to, to compel the enemy to accept one's interests. That's why they dismiss this, this whole appeasement routine, the de-risking routine from the Biden. Because they're using a variety of different unrestricted warfare means. The, the, the uh, COVID virus was a biological, purposeful biological weapon. It's a purposeful biological weapon. What these authors wrote, which China is now inflating, what must they, they say is what must be made clear is a new concept of weapons is in the process of creating weapons that are closely linked to the lives of the common people. So when you take a look at what's happening in your day-to-day -day society, this is how they've infiltrated our education systems, our social systems, inf infiltrated our businesses. This is how they built relationships because they've shown that American government is weak. And so they built relations with other countries because they, they want to go ahead and cut a deal with the devil before they're crushed, knowing the U.S. is not going to do anything. What's interesting here is they also go on to say that basically with the progressive breaking down of the distinction between military technology, civilian technology, and between the professional soldier and non-professional warrior, the battle space will overlap more and more with the non-battle space. So China knows they're outgunned, outmaneuvered, and incapable of stopping the U.S. at present in an on-right kinetic battle. So what they do is they purposely fight on different means and methods to undermine us, okay? And they're using the same goals and same objectives from many years ago. And that's what I write, that's why I wrote the book, The Cognitive War, Why We Are Losing and How We Can Win. In tonight's discussion on military insanity, DEI madness, and reckless de-risking, they're all intentional. It's part of the domestic cognitive war. These folks are aligned with our adversaries in China. It's an intentional means to subvert and undo this great republic, our constitutions, and your freedoms. You have to get the book to understand the fuller, more complex aspects of what's going on here. Your lives depend on it. Your freedom depends on it. I'm here on the NASA Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I will go outside of the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on NASA security issues and speak truth to power. The power of we the people. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America.